Welcome to In The Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Hey everyone, welcome back to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm excited to have on the call today, Jim Brown, who's the creator of SalesTuner.com and the host of the podcast by the same name. Today, we're going to talk about sales, how to find leads, and how to sell people. And we're probably going to focus on higher ticket items, but I want to bring this to the level where anybody can use it. So whether you're selling digital products, uh, selling courses, membership sites, programs, or consulting, hiring services, I think there's going to be some valuable stuff here. So Jim, thanks for being on In the Trenches. Tom, it's a pleasure. I'm happy to be here. So let's start with your framework. You were telling me about this offline, but leave you have a framework for entrepreneurs to get better at sales. So why don't you walk us through that? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people get scared by just even the phrase sales. They don't want to be a salesperson. I literally uh, just came from a meeting where the person says, look, I need you to help me. I want you to coach me, but I just don't want to be a typical salesperson. Right. And so when they think about that, I ask them, well, what is sales? And everybody starts describing like a used car salesman, someone who's pushy, someone who's aggressive, you know, all those types of things. It's my belief, Tom, that this next generation of great salespeople, they're actually going to be subject matter experts around what it is that they do. And then when they get to go and have a conversation with a typical prospect, now it's just a transfer of knowledge and therefore a transfer of enthusiasm that gets that person to trust you and give you money to do what it is that you're going to do. So we can break apart you know, the frameworks however you want, but it's essentially I want to take a cold person, right? Someone who I have never talked to before, or maybe they've downloaded something from my website, something along those lines, all the way to them actually giving me money. That's what I want to talk about today. Okay. So do you have like a step-by-step, like, is it a, you know, a five-step structure here? Like when you talk about that, like what is that process that people typically go through? Here's the thing, right? So I do have a framework, but the framework actually works from the back. A lot of people will say, hey, I want to do $250,000 a year in sales, right? Okay, great. Or, or, or commission or income, whatever it is they want to do. So they put out this really big goal, they really, they this number, but they have no idea how to go from where they are today, which is zero, to that number, say $250,000. So the first thing that I want to start to do is just let's work backwards. What is your average contract value, right? So let's say it's uh, it's $5,000, right? Well, how many deals do we have to get in order to do $250,000 at, at 5,000, right? I think that number's 500. Is that right? I don't have no idea right now. But now that we know that number, okay, in order to do that, how many proposals do we have to put out to get one deal? And so now we can start to do the backwards math. Okay. In order to put out one proposal, how many conversations, discovery calls is what I call them. How many discovery calls do we have to have in order to be able to put out that many proposals? In order to get that many people through the discovery process, how many prospects, new people do I have to talk to? And so that's the framework that I like to work backward from because that then makes it the point where I can say, okay, well, there's 12 months in a year. So the number could be really intimidating, intimidatingly high. But once I say, okay, there's 12 months in a year, there's four weeks inside of that month, there's five days inside of that week, there's eight hours inside of that day, 
all of a sudden it becomes a really easy number. Like, you know what? I've got to reach out to five people today in order for me to know that I'm going to get the right amount of activity going. That's going to let me get to that $250,000 number. So that's the framework and the step-by-step process that I use to break down a really big goal and make it something that I can digest daily. Cool. So we might backtrack and get into this a little bit, but I do want to focus on the sales piece first before like lead gen piece. So let's assume that the person actually has somebody who's inquired to work with them. Where do you go from there? What's the process after you've got an inquiry or if you do some sort of outreach, you get interest? What are the next steps you typically go through? Yep. So now I'm, I'm sitting uh, on, a, on a Skype call or maybe it's just a phone call with somebody, right? First thing I want to do, Tom, is I want to do what I call an upfront agreement. I want to get right from the very beginning, what is our mutual next steps in this thing? So it would sound something like this. Let's say that I was trying to sell you maybe my sales coaching services. What I might say is something along the lines of, hey, Tom, thanks for inviting me in today for this call. Hey, I had us down for 30 minutes. Does that time still work for you? Mm, I like that. Right. Because now all I, I'm, I'm just I'm getting context the entire time. So I'm saying, hey, 30 minutes, we still go with that. You may say, no, I've only got 10 minutes. OK, well, now I'm going to change my entire meeting because you have 10 minutes instead of the 30 minutes that I thought I was going to have. So, again, just looking for context. Great. You confirm the 30 minutes. Tom, I've got a full agenda that I want to get through today. But before I even get into mine, I got to better understand what are the top three things you're hoping to get out of today's conversation? right? Mm -hmm. So now they're just laying out what their priorities are. Now I can already see some people are listening to this. They're like, well, I called them. I, they, why would they be expecting anything? Right. And that's totally fine. But it's not like they had an empty 30 minute block on their calendar that said, insert salesperson here. Right. There's a reason why they're having this conversation with you. So let's get it out on the table. Let's understand what that is. Right. So you tell me the top three things, Hey, features, benefits, and pricing. Great. Tom, we're going to get to that when it's relevant. But before I do that, obviously, I'm going to have to ask you a lot of questions. You okay answering my questions today? Naturally, you're going to have a lot of questions from me. Are you okay stopping me when you have those questions and make sure you get those answered when you have them, right? Again, the whole time, I'm just making sure we're having a conversation. Now, Tom, typically, uh, we get to the end of today's call. One of three things will, will happen. The first thing is I might have to tell you no. Are you okay hearing me tell you no that you're not a fit today? Now. What's that doing? From the very beginning now, you are positioning yourself as an equal business stature, right? Equal level footing with this prospect. How many salespeople actually tell their prospect that they may tell them no? It just doesn't happen, right? But then you just change that dynamic. Now, Tom, second thing that may happen is you just, you know, through our conversation, you decide you don't want my help and that's totally fine. But will you just please tell me if you ever see that come to be that, that you don't want my help? All of a sudden, and it sounds weird, but I've now given them permission to say, no, this is not a fit. This is not something that I want to do. But now we're mutually agreeing to it from the very beginning. Can you repeat that question, how you frame that? I'm trying to yeah. take notes and I'm not going fast enough. Yeah, sure. And it was intentional. So I said, hey, Tom, you, we may get to the end of this and you decide you don't want my help. Okay. I do not let prospects tell me I can't help them because that's not true. They may decide they don't want me to help them, and I'm totally fine with that, but they don't get to, to tell me that I can't help them, right? Right. So the last thing, Tom, that may happen is we both say yes. And if we both say yes today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a contract for $450, and we're going to do two evaluations so that I can better understand who you are as a salesperson, and that's how we get started. Are you willing to say that version of yes today? Now, they may say no, and that's totally fine. Right. So let, let's just I'll, we'll role play that real quick. Just go with me and say no. So, hey, Tom, last thing that may happen 
We get to the end of today's call. We both say yes. What that typically means is I send you a contract for $450. You take two evaluations so that I can better understand who you are as a salesperson. And that's how we begin our, our work together. Are you okay saying that version of yes today? No, I'm not. Okay. All right. My, my apologies. What were you hoping to decide today? I refuse to answer that question. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Would anybody ever say no to that though? Yeah, absolutely. They do all the time. Maybe they're not the decision maker. Maybe they don't have budget. Maybe, you know, there's all kinds of reasons why they may say no, but I'm okay. I'm okay hearing them say no. Too many people think that they have to get to yes. I want to get to no, because the sooner I can get to no, the more people who are going to say yes, I can talk to, right? And so if you say no at the end, that's great. Just tell me the context. Okay, then what are we having this meeting for today? What is it that you were hoping to get out of it? What are you going to decide? And you may say, well, hey, look, what I'm deciding is I've got to collect the information that we're going to have today, and I've got to take it and get it you know, uh, approved by my board or from my partner or from my marketing director, whatever it is. Okay. Great. Now I just know the rules that we're playing by and we're both on the same page. I like that. So, okay. So if I say no to that question, which you do at the beginning, like these sequence of questions, because this one's not, you don't wait till the end. This is, you, you set the stage at the beginning when you say, hey, if we get to the end of this you know, conversation and we both agree to, to move forward to work together, I'll follow up with you with a contract. Or we typically follow up with a contract for $450 and we do this strategy session or whatever, however you framed it. That's right. So, okay. I generally got that. And then I asked the question, well, are you are you ready to what make that commitment today? Or how did you frame that? I thought your wording was really, really nice. Yeah, sure. So I basically said, hey, are you willing to say that version of yes today? Are you willing to say that version of yes today? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because again, I, it's okay if you say no. It really is. All I want to do is I want to understand where we are. I want to understand what game that mm-hmm. we're going to play. And if they say no, then what you do is you come back with a question. So how did you do that? Then you say, well, what, what do you want to get out of today? Basically That's kind of it. putting it back on them. That's it, right? And, and, and But at that point, I get to decide whether or not I want to play by their rules. I was going to say, it seems now I'm going to revamp every time I do calls now. Like I sure, have sure. a proposal later today. So I'm going to actually probably go through the sequence because I like this. I don't usually yeah. set the stage early like that. But I like that because to me, it just makes perfect sense. Like I find that a very reasonable proposition to kind of establish the baselines in which we're engaging during the call right at the outset. So if somebody says, no, I'm not ready to say that version of yes for this, essentially, I'm not ready to, you know, sign the contract, pay the money and move forward. What are the typical responses you get? Is it usually, and let's assume it's not like, or maybe it's working for a company, but if the person is actually the decision maker, Mm -hmm. what are the typical no's you get? And then what do you do if it's like, well, I just want to find out information today. Do you ever just say, well, this isn't worth my time. I mean, maybe not out loud, but walk me through that process. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that's the whole reason why I do this, right? So if they are the decision maker, and again, let's just use, use the example here. So I'm trying to sell to you. You say, oh gosh, you know what, Jim? Uh, no, I, I, I don't make decisions on the first call. I just don't do it. I have to take the information. I got to think about it overnight and then I'll be able to come back and decide, right? So again, all I want to do is I want to understand the context of the rules that we're going to play by today. So I would say to you, Tom, hey, no problem. Totally get it. I've worked with plenty of people. If that's the case. When you go back and you're thinking it over tonight, what's the decision criteria that you're going to use to determine whether or not you move forward? What do people typically say? Because have they even quantified it? Or do you no. have to usually work through that process? It's always BS, right? right. Like, <laughs> right. I'm just trying to get the objections that I know are going to come out. I want to get them out as soon as humanly possible so that I'm not wasting my time. But again, the whole framework here, the whole context is me understanding the rules that we're going to play by. That's it. That's all I want to know. I like that. Okay. So somebody comes back and is like, okay, you have to say, what are the criteria that you're going to use to decide? Yes or no, right? What's the right fit? 
what are some of the typical responses? Or give an example, maybe that's recent, and just walk us through it, some examples, because I think this is fascinating and how you kind of like approach it. The most recent example that I have, I was talking to a PR company today that they have the owner that wants help and he has one sales rep. And and, then, and again, she's the one who was saying like, I don't want to be a typical salesperson. Well, that's not, nobody wants to be a typical salesperson. But so they said to me, okay, hey, why don't you just, we get done with the meeting today. I'm going to need you to send me a summary of what we talked about and give us some options around what we do. And I said to them, well, I, I'm kind of confused. I literally just told you what it looks like. I send you a contract for $450 and it's per person, by the way, but per person so that I can evaluate who you are. Cause I don't take on every client. I want to understand what the deficiencies are or what the gap is between where you are and where you want to be to determine whether or not I can even help you. And that's just my way of getting the process going. And so I don't need to send you a proposal. I don't need any more practice writing proposals. I will send you a contract and you sign the contract and we get started. But they gave me the line, okay, well, we still got to think it over. We got to do this. I got to do that. And I said to them, okay, you can do that. That's fine. What is the decision-making criteria that you're going to use when you call me back tomorrow and decide? Right? And they said, well, really, I guess we're just going to determine whether or not we like you. I said, oh, that literally is the game we're playing. So, so okay. So as I go through our conversation today, my whole goal is just to get you to like me. That's it. Fair? Did you say this to him? Absolutely. Yeah. This like, cracks me up, man. That's <laughs> hilarious. What was the response to that? Again, they start to realize the BS that they're the giving. The absurdity of, of their, yeah. yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. It's it's all, I mean, it's it's psychology, but I'm not trying to use it in a negative way, but I'm playing the role of a dummy on purpose. I'm like, well, hold on. I just, I just don't understand. Tell me more about how you're going to make this decision. And that just doesn't make sense to me. Can you explain why, in what world that makes sense? And I'll even go as far as saying, okay, help me better understand. When you're out there selling to somebody on your end, do you let them do that to you? Oh, no, we never do that. We would get this up front. I'm like, okay, but you want me to do something different. I, I just, I, this doesn't make sense. Is there ever, like, I guess there's a few questions I have. So when you get into a situation like that, where there's that kind of like, you know, we'll say, I guess, for lack of a better way to describe it, maybe you have a better way to describe it, that pushback to agreeing to come to an agreement at the end of the call, right? Do you ever just like, is that ever like a red flag? Or is it not so much a red flag, just like some people are just like that and you have to kind of work through that, you know, process with them and you still see it as a, you know, a, a good potential sale? Or do you ever find that like certain things early on in a conversation are like, this person's not going to be a good client? Yes to everything you just said. It's absolutely a red flag. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking ah. for those red flags as early as possible. Because here's the thing. Too many people, they get all the way to the end. So they've they've taken hours to write and craft this beautiful proposal. They think it's buttoned up. They send it over and it sits in a prospect's inbox and it just marinates for days and you get no response. And you're just wondering what's going on over there. Every objection they're about to come back with you with, they knew the very first time that you talked to them, you were just afraid to ask. So that's it. Interesting. Okay. And tell me if there's anything else you want to add to that. Otherwise, I'll have a couple of questions and I hope they don't. We might come back and forth a little bit here because that's just how my brain works. Yeah, go with it. Okay. So I'm going to come back to this. Let's go back to an assuming better case scenario. Somebody's like, yeah, I'm willing to make that decision today. Like I'm willing to say yes to that if we both agree it's a good, good fit. Mm-hmm. What's the process you then go through for the rest of that call? Yeah. So, and, and I want to be clear. One of the things that I didn't mention, Tom, this sounds like um, that exact same thing every single time. I use that upfront agreement framework in any call that I'm in, but the version of yes, that's being said is going to be different, right? 
my version of yes may be, hey, uh, we get to the end of the conversation. We both say yes. Yes and yes today means that we're going to bring in two other people on your team into the further conversation. You okay saying that version of yes today? My yes and yes could be, hey, we get to the end of today's conversation. I'm going to show you a demo of my product. Are you okay saying yes to that today, right? So that that version of yes, that mutual agreement just gives us our defined next steps. Instead of it being mutually kind of ambiguous to be like, okay, we get to the end and we decide to to take a next step. So big gulps. That's know? right. All right. See you later. <laughs> that's right. Okay. So that's interesting. So the way you framed it, I was trying to type this as you were saying, I'm going to have to listen to this podcast again, which is a good thing because I want to, I like your word choice and I know it's purposeful because it, it just resonate with me. So I know you're, you're using these words on a specific purpose and intention. You said, when we get to the end of this conversation, or we get to the end of today's conversation. So I'm, I'm trying to create a framework for how do you create a, a yes agreement question. So what's that framework we could kind of give to somebody to say, here's how you should propose this, because I do want to start using this. Yeah. I love it. So how do you, how do you, what's your structure for that? All you have to do is know what your next clear defined next step is, right? So just if you take this one step back and you say, hey, the last person that bought from me, what's all the things that had to happen for them to buy from me, right? So typically you have to generate interest in some regards, right? So you have some kind of fit meeting. This might last 10, 15 minutes. It might be a phone call, might be a Skype call, might be in person, who knows, right? So you have this general fit call maybe. Then you go to what I call discovery. Discovery is a a structured process of questions that you have to ask in order to determine whether or not you want to work with somebody, but whether or not the solution that you provide is going to fit what they're going to do. And this is bigger than just the fit. Do I like the person, right? Once we have the discovery meeting, we get all the stuff that we have. What I call next is a gap presentation. So to me, I don't demo, I don't do big, fancy presentations, if you will. My gap presentation is simply, here's where you told me you worked. Here's today, here's status quo. Here's where you want to be at some point in the future. And here is my product or service specifically laid out to address where you are today and how it helps get you to the future in just the capacity that we've talked about. So that's, again, what I call my gap presentation, right? That's the only way I do that. Then we go to contract and then we're signing. Like, that's it. So if I look at those different steps, as I'm saying it out loud you may be hearing, okay, well, I can only have four meetings with somebody. I'm not saying that at all. You may run a discovery three times. You may have to do two gap presentations, right? There can be multiple steps inside the steps, but these are the defined ones. And so when I start working on my yes and yes equals, it's just saying, hey, typically here's what the next step is based on where we are today. Hmm. I like that. That's awesome. Here's today. Here's where you want to be in the future. Here's my products or service to address where you want to be in just the capacity that we talked about. I love that. I love that framework. Please feel free to expand on any of these topics if I'm not asking, if I'm missing something, like there's a question I should be asking, by the way. But we go through the discovery where we, you know, we have that yes. Do you have a term for that? Like that yes agreement question, like, or, or anything like that to define that? Yeah, I just literally, I just call it defined next step. Defined next step. Okay. So you are able to articulate the defined next step. You both agree to it. Then you go through that discovery process. And then you have that gap presentation, which would be at the end of that discovery process, right? So toward the end of the call. Well, so again, this is where it depends, right? So the, the stuff that I sell, I typically am going to have three, four, five meetings, right? I'm not doing all this in one meeting. And so even if I go back in that framework and I talk about the agenda, right? If you'll remember, I said, hey, Tom, I've got a full agenda that I want to get through today. But before I begin, 
What are the top three things you want to get out of this conversation? I tell you I have an agenda, but I never reveal my agenda. My agenda could change based on what you tell me you want to get out of it. My agenda may change if you don't decide to go with my defined next step, right? So I always have an agenda. And so that's what I'm saying. Like if my agenda for that day is the discovery call, well, guess what? After we say yes and yes, and we move on to that portion of the show, now I'm just going to run through my discovery. You have to earn your way to the next step. Like I don't let everyone go. So I don't let everyone get a gap presentation. I don't let everyone get a contract, right? So you have to be willing to tell me, yes, I'm going to buy. I'm in the process. I'm going to let you lead. I'm going to dance with you today, right? That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I like that. That makes sense. And maybe we'll come back to some of these topics, but I'm also curious about the particular structure you're using. And maybe maybe we'll just use you as an example because that's the best. Or if you have examples of clients or uh, anybody you coach or, or any clients that have hired you or, or whatever that have examples you can share. So in terms of like next steps, because one of the things I've been trying to implement and I'm not doing it right clearly is essentially a roadmapping session uh, or a mm-hmm. planning session, paid discovery, before I get into one of these larger, more expensive contracts. This answer, and the reason is simple, a lot of people don't have a plan in place or if they do, it's, it's weak at best and it's not clear. So then it's like things like scope of work are ill-defined and there's mm-hmm. a lot of like, there's a lot of baggage that comes with this. So in the past, I've, I kind of just like, have just gone into it, like fingers crossed, like <laughs> I'm picking the right price on this. Hopefully it doesn't expand beyond like what we've discussed. I, you know, hopefully my contract's good enough where I can, if it's way out of line, but then I have to, then I do the discovery after I've already sold this, this really big contract. So it sounds like you have like this interim piece, or at least maybe for some people you do. If you do, can you walk me through that process and how you sell somebody on that piece? For sure. I'm going to put it in full context for you, but I'm going to use an example from one of my clients. What is it that you sell? What, how, what's this intermediate thing that you're selling? Somebody usually comes to me to help with a, a launch, for lack of a better term. So like they want to launch a book or a course or a program. It's either that's usually like, hey, we have this product or service we want to generate a ton of leads and sales for over a short period of time. And you have expertise in that. Or alternatively, it's in like, hey, can you run, essentially run and grow our affiliate program for like companies and brands and stuff like that. It's usually the case. So I guess in an ideal world, or at least I'm thinking what would be more ideal is instead of me writing these proposals, like really elaborate, you know, big proposals, I would like to have an intermediate step mm-hmm. that I could quickly get to that doesn't take quite as long to do than just going from, you know, a call or a few calls to a you know, big contract to see instead, could I do some sort of road mapping or planning session? So it's like, hey, let's, because mm-hmm. what, that's what's kind of needed. I need to look at the business. I need to look at the products and services, what the price points are. I need to look at, you know, what is, is there a sales funnel already in place? Or if not, what that would look like, how that mess with the entire business as a whole. Then I have to look at the timeline and backward plan all these different things. So there's a significant amount of my time that's spent just on the planning, just to make sure we're, we're all on the same page and we're bringing to the same thing. So that's what I'm thinking would make a lot of sense for me to be able to sell before I sell like this larger, you know, multi five figure contract or something like that. And it sounds today like you're giving that away for free. Well, you you know, what ends up happening, right? Is that we probably have more calls than we have enough calls where it can be like, I'm just like, well, whatever. Like it's depressingly too many calls, (laughs) two or three or something like that. And it's like, I say, Hey, well, at least usually I'll cut it off. I only do that if I have a gut sense that this is probably going to be yes. So usually if I go through that process where I am doing a, a, a good amount of it for free, I'm usually right on that anyway, but there's some that end up not. Sure. So it's not ideal, but yes. So a big portion of that is either done for free or it's just a lot of my time trying to communicate these ideas 
then we lock down a big contract and then I and then I get into the real planning process. Which again, I don't think is ideal because then these people are signing these big contracts and we have yet to actually like really define like the legitimate scope of work and all the things that are needed. That's right. So I, I call that free consulting, right? That's typically yeah. what uh, proposals are. They're just mm-hmm. free consulting. So I, I'm going to take a quick step back, right? Yeah. Do you know how buyers buy? Like what is the buyer's process? How does someone buy? Mm, I'm probably going to get it wrong, but I think it's, let's start at the point where I guess they have a recognition of the problem and they're saying, okay, this is something that needs to be done. Something's like impacting or in the way I need somebody to get to clear the path for me. And then they start looking around at what's out there. Maybe they start like soliciting for referrals because I typically get all my leads from referrals. Mm-hmm. And then I think when they get to that point, then they're, I guess like I think about when I hire something, I just need some, there's probably some subconscious checklist I'm going through. Of, do I trust or do I actually have a good grasp on the project myself like if I'm trying to hire someone? And sometimes like, yeah, I will use that free consulting to help like articulate, well, what is the plan, right? So I'm sure they're doing the same thing. All right. So I'm going to make it very simple, right? I'm going to switch this over to the consumer world and I promise it'll make sense because it'll resonate. What's the last department store that you went into? Actual brick and mortar physical department store. What was the last one you went into? Gosh, it was probably like Lowe's or Home Depot or something like that. All right. So you went in there probably for something specific, right? But you walk into Lowe's, the friendly greeter says, hey, you know, thanks for shopping at Lowe's today. How can I help you? And you said, I'm all good. (laughs) Yep. Just looking, right? So the first thing you just did as a buyer is you lied. The first thing you did is lie. Yeah, you, you, you went there <laughs> with a very specific intention and you lied. You said, I'm, I'm no thanks, man. I'm just looking. It's funny. Right? It's a funny way to put it. So then now this is going to be a little bit tricky because it's, it's, it's Home Depot or Lowe's and I don't know what you're in there for shopping for, but you go in there and you just look around and what you're really doing is stealing. And I don't mean actually stealing and taking the stuff and leaving, but I'm saying you're looking, you're price shopping, you're kind of checking it out. You're getting a look and feel of, of how big something is. Maybe you took a tape measure and you're measuring something out to determine whether or not you're going to actually take it home. So then you start walking toward the front and, you know, you lie to them again. I say, Hey, did, did you find everything you're looking for? Like, yeah, I'm, it's all good. So now you've lied again. Right. So you lied, you steal. Now you're lying. Now you're going to hide. And what hide looks like now is you're never coming back. You're actually going to go onto Amazon, right? Or you're going to go onto homedepot.com and you're going to buy it from there. You're never coming back in the store. So the buyer's process is lie, steal, lie, hide. Okay. Now let's apply that to your world. So they come in as a, as a referral, right? That's great. And so they may tell you, hey, here's what it is that I'm looking for, but I'm not ready to buy. I just want to better understand what it is that you offer, right? They're lying to you. Then when they move into steal mode, they want to steal all of your information because it's valuable. They know how smart you are. They know how much experience you have. So they want to steal as much as humanly possible for you. Right. So then they start to move into stage three, which is lie again. And now this lie at this point, it sounds like this, Tom, we think you're our guy. Everything you said has just been so amazing. I was just hoping you might be able to like whiteboard with us exactly how we would do this in our world. Let it be more specific. Can you give me a referral? Can you give me a testimonial? Can you do a demo in my environment? And if you do that, Q3 next year, you're in, right? 
and then they move to hide mode. You send over the proposal, which is just loaded with so much information. You get unlimited access to voicemail. You get emails that never get responded to. Every time you do get somebody on the phone, hey, yeah, he's he's actually in the bathroom. Oh, you know what? He's out walking his dog. You know, he's sick today. He's on a vacation. He's on a cruise. Like he can't be, right? That's the process. And unless you have a better process as a seller, you have to follow the buyer's process. And it's a terrible one. Mm, okay. So how do we work through that? How do we keep them from hiding and lying? <laughs> or, or what is that solution? And maybe it's not keeping them, but maybe it's asking different questions. Like, What's that process, I guess? Absolutely. So you asked, hey, how do I basically get them to, you know, maybe even pay me a little bit of money to do this pre-initial work? And so I call that a monkey's paw. I want to sell something, a small token amount. I want to I want to have a financial arrangement, a commitment. One of the reasons why I do the evaluations is because you take this evaluation, it takes you 45 minutes, it costs you $450, but it, costs, it, um, it takes you 45 minutes to do it. When I get the results back from that, I see every single deficiency that you have, and I know exactly what's wrong with you. I come back and I show you that, and I'm like, here's what I'm seeing. Help me better understand why this is the case. And all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, yes, that's exactly why I have this problem. And I'm hoping you can help me. But guess what? They've already paid me $450. They see the pain explicitly laid out for them. They're buying, right? And you better believe they're going to buy from me. They're not going to take that information and then go shop it somewhere else after they've already written me a check. They know that I'm the guy that can solve that. So here's what I'm thinking for you. Is there some amount of information that you can get out of them that says, hey, let me go back and I can just run a little bit of, of an analysis for you. We typically do this in like a 90-minute workshop. It costs 500 bucks. And again, the number here is absolutely arbitrary, but it's a 90-minute session. It costs 500 bucks. We're going to lay out an entire plan for you of how this would happen. If you choose to hire me after that, great. If not, you can do this on your own or you can find someone else to do it. That's totally up to you, right? But at that point, they've now paid you to do your proposal. And at that point, I don't care whether or not they actually, you know, I mean, obviously I do. I want them to pay for the rest of it. I want them to buy the, the me doing the execution. But hey, some will, some won't. So what? Who's next? Yeah, I love that. Okay, so what's the value proposition of the evaluation? Like, how do you explain for you specifically, or you can give examples of, you know, clients or other case studies, because you know, obviously I've been presenting it the wrong way is all I can think because the pushback is like, oh, well, like, I don't really want to pay for that. I just want to pay for you to do like the whole thing. And it's like, I'm clearly not articulating the value of what I'm saying we're going to do together the right way. So I'm curious, how do you articulate the value of doing that evaluation session? Simply put, like I, not everybody is going to work with me. I don't take everyone on as a client. I have to determine whether or not you should get to work with me or not. Right. And so as a result of that is like, I got to see what I'm working with. You may have problems that I, A, don't know how to solve, B, don't want to solve, or C, you don't have the budget to solve. And I would rather know that in the very beginning than us get into a project together and then decide to hate each other. Right. Like, you know, I've got a reputation to maintain. I don't want to lose that by doing something poorly for you. And you need this to be successful, right? If that's the case, let's make sure we do it right from the beginning as opposed to just guessing. Wow, that's good, man. That's awesome. And then so you go through that process and then typically, so you deliver that, we'll say they like it, they get some good insights. Then would you ever do like, I guess, would you then do a full proposal after that? Uh, well, basically it's kind of what you've already done and just like get them to sign the, the contract for that higher 
priced service uh, on the back end of that evaluation or typically what's your, what's your process? Absolutely. So I work with a lot of, so my, my primary focus is Tom are tech companies. So they have tech products and then basically what I call tech or marketing services companies, right? So a lot of agencies, I have two clients right now specifically that I can, I'm not gonna mention their name, but one of them charges $20,000 for essentially a proposal. I'm not going to lie. It's essentially a proposal, but they call it a think first. And the way they position is, look, before we do anything, we want to think first. We want to put the strategy in place of how we're going to do this together, right? And you're going to pay for that because it's more than a proposal. I, I, I got to go back on that. It's probably a 50 page document that they're producing. So there is definitely value to it. But the prospect can absolutely take that and give it to any other agency in town and say, hey, go execute this right? But that's essentially what we have to do to, to produce it. I have another client who I tried to give him this in and he called it a gap analysis. He said, there's no way I could ever get someone to pay for that. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, it doesn't hurt to try, right? What if you just asked? And so he goes out and he goes, okay, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask for $5,000. And he had no belief at all. He could do this. He sold it for $5,000. Okay. He's been doing this, this exact process that I'm telling you today. He's been doing this for two years. I kid you not. He just sold one of these for $91,000. Took him four months to put it because it was a huge, it was a multi-billion dollar company. They had a whole lot of like different departments that had to be intermixed. And so otherwise he would have just given that away. But they said, you know what? No, this does make sense. Let's spend three to four months together get our bearings on whether or not it even makes sense to do this project, right? Internally, not just with you, but just do we want to do it internally? You can help us ferret all of that information out and we've got a plan whether or not we hire you or not. Yeah. Okay. That's worth it. And it's crazy. Like once you start to have some success with that, you just start asking for more and more and more money until someone tells you, no, you'll find the price ceiling for you. Let me circle back. That's really interesting. It got me thinking. So coming back to that like uh, initial consultation, is that how you frame it? Like that kind of that 30 minute conversation where you can move into evaluation? Yeah. Again, there can be multiple steps of this. When I laid it out, it sounded like they were just very rigid steps, but there can be multiple steps for you. There just has to be a defined plan of where you're taking the prospect. Do you, and maybe I'm just making excuses for myself. Sometimes I feel like when I go into conversations, there's like a breadth of things I'm capable of doing. We do a lot of different things for a lot of different clients. Let's put it that way. So the process like to get there, it seems like that would be kind of hard for me to, to know exactly at the outset, but is there something I need to like, I guess, is that okay? And can I use that first call to figure out, like, how do I, I guess, leverage that first call to figure out, okay, what is going to be that, that next step? Right. So go back to the upfront agreement that I mentioned, right? I say, Hey, I've got a full agenda, Tom, that I want to get through. But before we begin, what are the top three things you're hoping to get out of today's call? So I'm letting them frame the conversation. Now, again, I've got an agenda. So if you don't say the things that I want to cover, I'm still going to cover my agenda. But you could tell me, hey, I'm, I'm really interested in this service, this service, and this service. Okay, great. That's how we're going to frame this first conversation today, right? And again, it doesn't have to be a, a very sequential next step. I want you to define the next step. But the defined next step literally could be, hey, if we get through this 15-minute call and it makes sense, what I want to do is schedule our, our 90 minute and name. I, I love naming these stages, right? If we do the first 15 minute call and we both say yes, then we're going to do the 90 minute star meeting, right? I'm just making something up. We'll do the 90 minute star meeting if it makes sense, right? Because I don't want to put you out if it doesn't make sense. I'm going to let you, does that make sense? Right. And so I'm always wanting to check in with the client. So 
that's one way to start down that process. If we do the 90 minute star meeting, well then, Hey, the next step is we're going to do our two hour or four hour blue meeting, right? Again, I'm just making stuff up right now, but I always have a defined next step. I want to know what stage I'm in. I want to know the entrance criteria for a prospect to reach that stage, but I also need to know the exit criteria for that prospect to be able to go to the next stage. Is there anything that you would say, like, I guess, and I know there's a lot of variables here, so there's a lot that depends, but if you do, I think, you know, some rigidity or some rigid structure here that we can use to reference what's helpful. So with that first call, we say, okay, these are the three things we're going to go over. You you said you have your agenda too. What's your fallback agenda? And and is there any place where you like, don't want to lead the conversation? So for, and, and what I'm saying there, my loaded question is, should I avoid getting into like, like how to details? Because that seems like that gets starts getting into that gray area of like, this is probably should be paid to plan that out. Like, is there anything like that that we should avoid in those calls? Absolutely. I, I, I don't do free consulting. I just don't. Now, anytime, and, and this is just like actual advice for you, right? Based on what we've talked about. So if you ever get to the point in a conversation where you want to make a statement about something, oh, well, we would do X, turn it around and ask it as a question. So instead of saying, hey, we do book launches by doing A, B, and C, right? So say something like, when you've thought about this book launch, what kind of tactics are you expecting to be done? And they may tell you, uh, you know, one, two, three. And you're like, okay, good. You know what? I tell you, here's the thing. One and two are really good. I've done that for a lot of people. Number three, can I tell you why that's going to be an issue? And now all of a sudden, like you're just, you're doing the exact same things. It's just that you're in control now. And so one of the things that you asked me is like, is there ever a point where I don't want to guide the decision or the discussion? Absolutely not. I'm always in control. However, Based on how I'm running the meeting, I want to make it look like the prospect's in control, but I am leading you down every single path that I want you to take. And okay, so just structurally, is there a process uh, like overarching here? Because you said sometimes it could be, you know, maybe multiple calls. So there's, there's variance here. But what, like if we broke this down, maybe, maybe you've kind of said this before, and maybe I should take notes, but like, what are those stages I need to get people to? Like, where do I say like, okay, on my checklist, like, yeah, got it. Like he crossed like, I, I check there. Like, I don't know. Is it things like, you know, confirming they have a budget, confirming like all these, are there certain things that I want to like confirm that get me to that next, that I know, Hey, it's ready to pass, pass, go and collect $200. Yeah, sure. So I, I, I can't give you those specifically because they're going to be unique to you. Right. But here's the thing. So I have one client, they sell, like I said, they're in the marketing services space. They sell specifically into uh, like in-home contractors. So think about like electricians, plumbers, landscaping and lawn care companies, that's who they sell into. So I have helped them define, they do a 15 minute fit meeting. That 15 minute fit meeting, the whole goal of that is they have to get four things. What is the cost per acquisition? Okay. I'm sorry, cost per lead, cost per acquisition, average contract value and lifetime value. Now, I don't want you to just ask those four things. I want you to have a conversation, but the conversation should be tailored around getting those four pieces of data out of the prospect. Okay. Now, as they're going through that conversation, trying to get those pieces of data, what do you think they run into? What do you think the biggest challenge is that they have in that conversation? Most people don't know what that is. So they're like, okay, well, hold on. It's going to be hard for me to tell you what we should do. If you don't know these numbers, I got an idea. Why don't we do this? The next step we typically have, as I mentioned, is a 90 minute 
fit meeting or a 90 minute discovery meeting. And I'm going to go deep into all of the questions that's going to allow us to figure out what those four numbers are. And if we can't figure them out, we'll, we'll work our way into them. But that's got to be the next thing. And now I'm getting them to commit to a 90 minute meeting. Who wants to put a 90 minute meeting on their calendar? Right. This is now a qualification step. If you're not willing to take a 90 minute meeting, you're not serious about spending a couple hundred thousand dollars on the marketing services that we're going to pitch you later. Right. And so they don't know the numbers. And so I can't do anything if you don't know the numbers, right? So we're going to have to get access to your data. We're going to have to get Google Analytics. We're gonna, there's all these types of things that we're going to have to get, but I do, I'm going to do that in the next call. I do that 90-minute call, and I say, okay, if we get to the end of this, we both say yes. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put together what I call a gap analysis. And the gap analysis is simply going to take a look at the data that you've given me, and I'm going to do like a 30-minute cursory glance of what's out there in the market, what I see. And I bring back the information and basically just paint a picture of pain. Here's all the pain that you have. Now, I could sell that. I choose not to. That's something I've let them give away for free. But the person has to earn it. I don't just give it to anybody. They have to meet certain qualification steps. But once they do, they see all that pain. And, and trust me, it's very structured. We look at their competitors. I know who the, the competitor is that really pisses it off, pisses them off when they lose to that person. So, of course, I'm highlighting all the good stuff that person's doing. I'm just showing them so much pain. I'm like, well, you know, typically people who have this much pain, they pay us 20 grand to go, you know, do the full-blown thing first. My guess is that's not something you want to do. Well, I mean, I feel like I have to at this point, right, Tom? Well, I mean, it's. It's your choice, right? But that's what other people have done, right? So you have that kind of like uh, social influence as opposed to you being the slick salesperson telling them they need to. You're like, I don't know if you should, but other people who've been in your situation have done that. That's awesome. This is good. Okay. Well, hey, I've always realized we're way over time that I said I was going to schedule with you. So I apologize, <laughs> but I appreciate you being generous with your time here. I could probably go into this in way, For way, sure, way more depth, but hey. What a great place to, I mean, this is a ton of value. I'm actually going to re-listen to this like later today because I know I can actually start implementing this like right away. And I love that it actually can be applied beyond, you know, straight up like proposal type business calls and conversations. Because I can see this applying to a lot of different conversations I have in a lot of different capacities. Things like just setting the stage in the context of the conversation right from the get-go. Another thing that I, I've always struggled with is, is, hey, at the end of the, you know, this 30 minutes, I got to go. You know what I mean? Like, that's the other thing that I've struggled with in the past. And I that's love right. this because that can apply to every conversation, just setting the stage at the beginning. So I know Absolutely. I can talk on and on and on about this, but that's obviously not what we're going to do. We're going to send people over to your podcast, your website. So where can people find you? Where can they learn more about your process and everything you've shared with us today? Sure. Yeah. A couple different ways. If you just want to follow me from like a social aspect, you can definitely follow me on Twitter, Jim underscore Brown. I talk about everything from Kentucky basketball to uh, the latest craft beers that I'm drinking. But if you want to talk about business or just see some of the stuff that uh, you, uh, Tom and I have talked about today, go to salestuners.com slash roadmap. Tom, I've created a, a free workbook and I want to emphasize the word work for your team. But that initial framework that we laid out, like how many discovery calls, how many prospects, how many proposals, how many close one deals, I lay that out. So you put in the big number that you want, 250,000, a million, whatever it is. And this workbook is going to walk you through every single step that you're going to have to take to get to that big number on a daily basis. So again, just salestuners.com slash roadmap. Jim, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches, man. Super helpful, super insightful. Appreciate the details. And we'll have to have you back on for sure in the future. Yeah, it was a great time, Tom. Really appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.